0: Hello, and thank you for joining us for this week's episode of This Is Sex. Hey girl, hey girl, hey hi Hi, ladies. How are you all today? It's been a day. Oh, okay. Okay, that's how we're feeling today.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. Tell me about what's going on on the on the west coast and in the great state of Texas. COVID. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that.
1: Okay. that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Texas is doing a lot of um, things to make us become uh, critical thinkers. Oh. You know, we had our Texas Rangers with a uh, full capacity seating on their I opening saw day.
0: That. I said, okay, y'all just big and bold in Texas. Okay, apparently,
1: apparently, you know It brings, you know, uh, I think Trevor Noah was talking about uh, the song lyrics to the baseball song. I don't care if I never get back. (laughs)
0: You know,
1: hell, you sitting there supposed to have your mask on. It's thirty-eight
0: thousand people, probably two had on a mask. Okay, how are you social distancing like that?
1: Exactly. So they say keep your mask on, use hand, and all this, and so that's what's going on in Texas. We just doing some very um, not so smart
2: things right now. Oh wow. Yeah. I, what's well, going I, on in
0: California? California. California. I hate.
2: It's a little bit better. I mean, we're slowly opening up stuff, which I, I feel a little bit more safe with. But you know, just like everywhere, you've got the crazy people who don't believe in masks, who don't believe in social distancing, who will be up in your face. And so that's why I stay home. Yeah. I stay home as much as I can.
0: Yeah, true, true that. True that. Speaking of so staying what's going home, on this, your this coast. This is totally a tangent, but I guess not. It is going on, on my coast, but I was in Harris Teeter. It's a grocery store chain around these parts. And I was just randomly on the cleaning owl, which is an owl I never go to in Harris Teeter because I don't hardly go to Harris Teeter anyway, but they had a, a, a shelf full of Lysol disinfectant spray. And I just had like uh my memory just draw me back to like last year where like you couldn't find Lysol and bleach and tissue, mm-hmm, alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I never, I never, I never thought I would not be able to find alcohol. And I never realized how much I do use it. Do you think it's just a yeah. random bottle? It's exactly. Like, and nobody has any alcohol. So Anyway, yeah, that's what's going on here in North CAC and LAC. You know, I'm in the city of medicine, Durham, North Carolina. So, <laughs> you know, there's lots of information and, um, you know, a lot of pharmaceutical companies in the area doing their thug with this whole pandemic, which right. brings me to something, you know, checking in about, you know, what's going on in our respective states and locations gave me this idea that for, for our conversation this evening, I wanted to just check in about What's going on in the world related to sexual health? There's so much going on every day. There's been a lot of stuff in the news from sports to movies to legislation, all sorts of stuff. And so as we get prepared for our live, this is sex recording Mm -hmm. next Mm -hmm. month, um, have you all confirmed a date? Because the people have been waiting, people have been emailing us. DMing us, sending their questions saying, make sure you talk about this or well, I had a question about that. But when is this going down? And I said, you know what? Right, right, Let right, me talk right, to my right. team. Let me talk to my right, people. Right, right, right. And when my Uh-oh. people will get to me, I'm going to get back to y'all. And the people, the people want to know. So I'm just, I'm here as a mouthpiece for the people.
1: So we have officially decided and scheduled Okay. okay. May 20th, because as Ooh. we know, May is sex ed month. Okay, right, okay. So, May 20th. 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time at 6 o'clock Central, 4 o'clock Pacific, and that should give all of our young people time to get home from school, get out of class, and all the things that we're looking for this age group to do right now, and uh, have some downtime before they come and have a fun, engaging conversation about sex and myths and misconceptions, but May 20th, 7 o'clock, Eastern time. It's officially yeah, booked. Put it on your calendar. All three
0: of y'all gonna be there. Altria, oh, yeah. there you go. There you go. going
1: <laughs> Put it on the calendar, May 20th Oh my gosh. Okay,
0: that's this a, is what's that a Thursday. Lie. It's going down. We might have some
1: special guests that day too.
0: We Ooh, may have okay, like, y'all got some surprises have, you know, up your We sleeve. might have
1: some some surprise guests pop in, you know, for a couple questions and throwing okay. out some little, you know, little male wisdom since we are a trio of women. We might mm-hmm. we might spice it up and invite okay. some of our male listeners to come join us for that
2: episode and really see what's okay. going on. We want to
0: okay. make sure that we represent everybody in this area. I, I love that.
2: I love So, okay. yeah.
1: But, you what know, teams what's, in them. yeah. What's been interesting to me is since we, we kind of started the conversation talking about COVID and kind of transitioning to our young adults, one thing that I have really been interested in and kind of looking at um, anecdotally is when we were on the strict lockdown, particularly here in Texas, um, looking at how people were accessing and receiving their sexual health and reproductive health services. So we're seeing, are we seeing an increase in sexually transmitted infections? are we seeing that people didn't have necessarily new partners, but they're also not getting tested at the rates that they were pre-pandemic? So um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I know, you know, we jokingly talked about the coronials and how there was kind of a little surge there of pregnancies and, and babies, but I'm interested to see what we're going to um. You know, now that we're exactly a year into this pandemic, what we're going to see in light of sexually transmitted infection rates across the country? And mm-hmm. are we going to see um, a correlation between those rates and the requirements of the state as far as lockdown goes?
2: Well, I think in, my, my guess is if it's, gonna, if it's anything, if it's going to parallel anything close to what happened with pregnancy it's going to be 2020 will have been a rough year for some folks <laughs> yeah. um, in terms of in terms of um, S, you know obtaining STIs now the hard part is right like are we even going to be able to capture that accurately because
1: people exactly. weren't coming
2: in Yeah,
1: and that's my question so we're how were people accessing testing and screening and treatment and what are they doing now that it looks like there has been um quite a few restrictions lifted are we going to now see an increase in in those services being accessed again so i'm going to be kind of keeping my eye on that one because that That, is is such a a
0: good question question. i bet that we'll see
2: a statistical increase in sexually transmitted infections and treatments how much of that will be real i think is going to be the question right because is it higher now because people are out and people are, you know, having sex more with people and they're presenting and getting treatment mm-hmm. or, or is it high just because we don't know what the numbers were last year because people weren't coming yeah. in. I
1: think and i we going
0: to
2: see it in a particular segment of the
1: population. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to see that.
0: Um, That, you know, this, you raise, you guys raise great points, especially with lockdown and access to services, but also like the virtual schooling and all the other elements that sort of compound with that. Because I'm thinking about when I was a teen, um, before mm -hmm. my mom, this predates uh, text messages on the QWERTY but I used to pass letters with my best friend and I had a letterbox my mama found them so when she found them she put me on she told me to choose which type of birth control I wanted to be on and that's what I was that's what was gonna happen at my next appointment but even though I knew that she knew I was sexually active one time I thought I might have had um bad blood. <laughs> like One time I thought I might've had a situation, right. and you know, my mom, you know, like my, my twin sisters who are 18 still see the same pediatrician that I saw. So this lady been in the family and I didn't quite understand, you know, HIPAA and all that good stuff. But right. essentially my friends and I, we had a whole meeting. I set up a whole appointment at the health department, even though my mom had good insurance through her job. I didn't want to see the doctor that saw me and my mom, my mom being there together saying, she, I told you she was going to be on birth control. You need to tell her which kind of birth control she's going to be on. I was like, I just want to get tested. I want to go where they don't know me. You right. know, I skipped school. It was like a whole, because the world was quote unquote normal back then. It was a whole setup that made it easy for me to go get my own testing because I called and made my appointment. I went to the bus stop. I watched my mama leave. I went back to the house. My friends picked me up. I went to the clinic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's a whole, it's a whole oh, process. It's, it's, so.
1: Exactly. And now we see, particularly with young people and adolescents, how they access, where they are able to access without parental consent, and are they able to access those same services while we are in a pandemic situation?
2: hmm
1: Right. So, I'm. Um, it's gonna. It's gonna be interesting. I mean, I'm looking at some preliminary research, and it says that obviously the COVID-19 um, did impact it as far as being able to slow the rates and decrease the rates. But I'm really interested to know if it's gonna be a specific segment or if we're gonna see uh, spikes. Um, over the next few months. So those are the type of questions that we're going to be trying to answer here in the next few months and mm-hmm. trying to stay up on our research. But um, I do have a question for you, Ms. ballon Oh, for me. For you, ma'am. Oh, what do you goodness. think of the situation that's going on in Arkansas with staying on our, staying on our topic related to youth mm-hmm. with the ban on trans-affirming treatments and surgeries, and what is your perspective on how that is going to impact that community?
0: oh okay mm, that that okay all right you want put my to heavy cap on. Out there for you okay you want you my you good know. educated response tonight yeah. but you know what it's so when i like i've been keeping up you know to a degree with what's been going on so i was so excited to see that the governor vetoed mm-hmm. the bill mm-hmm. uh and then i believe i saw an update that they that there's they Congress or whatever overrode him and yeah. so it it passed. And so yeah, as a social worker who has provided psychotherapy to patients and, and families, like to adolescents and their parents, um, you know, together and separately, um I just think 2021, in the midst of a global pandemic, is not the time to be going backwards. Like right. we should be moving forward, and I think limiting, you know, anybody's ability to do anything, um, you know, whether Don't it's related or oh access goodness. abortions or uh, you know transgender mm-hmm. healthcare, I think you just create even more challenges for vulnerable communities and so mm-hmm. limiting access for I think I think you know like uh there are some things that are just horrible like you know there was um conversion therapy that was big right. you know, in the past and like we know that that was horrible it is horrible it's not supported by any kind of professional mental health or medical association to my knowledge to date um mm-hmm. that's horrible I think there are other things that are personal decisions like most things like I, I wouldn't say this is right this is wrong I say if if this is something someone wants to explore it's great when they are have their parents support it is right. it's, it's challenging when they don't but I don't think the government should be controlling right. what someone can do with their own body and it's like the government is the same government that lets you i mean this is the same government who you know operated on black bodies without our consent you know it's like that mm. The government is just so messed since up you, but. since you threw that out there um mahalia jackson oh i watched her movie on lifetime y'all watched the movie on lifetime
2: i haven't yet i saw i saw um information about it though
0: it was good it was good What do you
2: think about the? Well, for the, you gotta tell, tell, you gotta tell, you know, what what happened for the the people in the back who don't know.
1: Yeah, the information related to her hysterectomy
0: yeah so she in the movie basically it, it they show a few health conditions that she had over time so it really is in the context of this uh sarcoidosis and i only learned about that because we used to we love bernie mac and i know that's what he died from mm-hmm. but so she had sarcoidosis and uh and then she had fibroids as well and so the movie showed it showed not only that she had um a hysterectomy and i think it some kind of way the now dr clay this you might have to help me but basically the fibroids i don't think they were caused by the sarcoidosis but they were made worse because it, it made her tired i don't know but some kind of way the sarcoidosis and the fibroids led to her having the hysterectomy but the movie you know they had they showed conversations of her talking with the love of her life about um you know, basically her desire to have a a family and how that was taken away from her. And she didn't know she was going to have a hysterectomy. Essentially, I think she knew she was having the fibroids removed, but Mm -hmm. she didn't know they were going to remove all of her lady parts. So, you know, I don't know. I felt triggered as hell, you know, being in my um, mid to late thirties, closer to 40 than 30. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about that before with the advanced maternal age and just the fact that she said that it was something that she Wanted and her, you know, they didn't dwell a long time in the movie on that, but um, you know, they they showed, it and I think that's so important because um something Dr. Clay just advised me of is a hysterectomy is a very common procedure. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like a last resort, not a lot of people were having like hysterectomies out here, but it's like hysterectomy is like the aspirin of surgery, huh? Well, I mean I'm <laughs> <lied>. <laughs>
2: I mean, I, I don't know that I would say that, but I, it, it is for, for women. It is the most common surgery. It is the most common surgery that we do. Um, and fibroids is the most fibroids and irregular bleeding is the most common reasons we do hysterectomies. Um, and without, and it's hard cause you, you gotta remember, I, I always have my surgeon Dr. Brain on. So without knowing all of what happened in the movie, um, your surgeon should be telling you what, what is, what are all the possibilities that can happen in surgery. And so um, to hear that something was done to her and she had no idea is triggering for me, but also is sadly not uncommon. And it wasn't uncommon, you know, many, many years ago, you would go in for one thing, come out with another. And, you know, you were at kind of the doctor's discretion, which is, which unfortunately for Black women just means we were experimented on and we were, you know, yeah. we were the guinea pigs for a lot of things. So, which wow. you know it,
1: it's so unfortunate that we hear in twenty twenty one. Very, very similar tales and very round being informed ability to have um, a recipe. Um, and for a lot of people particularly young adults we don't have that
2: Well, I, you know, it, you would think that it it had stopped happening a long time ago. That's what we'd like to have thought, right? And then you get reminders where it wasn't actually that long ago, where stuff like this would happen. Um, and even now, you know, depending on who you talk to and the situations, there's a reason why Black people in general have a very, very, very big hesitation when it comes to healthcare care, um, because there's a lot of stuff that's been done to us that... Um, Has not been done to other communities. Um, So, and that translates many, many years later to things like the COVID vaccine and why people are very hesitant to jump in the front of the line Mm -hmm. uh, to do stuff like that. So, right. I get it. Right. So, one of the other things
1: I saw in the news um, is how our LGBTQ. Plus, community is not just with the trans-affirming um, surgeries and and those type of things, but that this pandemic has also been um, hard to navigate for that community to be able to access the the services in a way that they need to and in a meaningful way within a lot of communities. And why do you think that is? Why do you think that while we understand a global pandemic is a, a major life-altering event, why do you feel that some communities have been hit when it comes to being able to access um, their regular healthcare care? And regular health services and screenings.
2: Well, I think some of it has to do with, um, I guess, what's the word? Um, limitations or difficulties with with access accessing care in general, right? Like, there, are, our, our community in general, depending on where you live and how much money you make, um, what kind of insurance you have, dictates what type of access you have. Um, And so the communities that are hit the hardest with most diseases, including the pandemic are those that don't have access to healthcare um, or have limited access to healthcare, which unfortunately included a a lot of black and brown people. Um, And then if you add an even more marginalized group like um, the queer community, it's even more of a reason that they don't have the same access that everybody else does, and it just—it just means that community gets hit, hit harder, just like it does for Black and Brown folks. Um, and they—and if they have the access to care, then they have to deal with, you know, all the things that go along with that, which is not being called by the correct pronouns, and um, or having their correct gender, you know, assigned, and all of that. It—everything it, that they would have that they have to deal with anyway just becomes harder when you got limited care and a lot of very sick people which is what is happening in the pandemic you have a lot of sick people um that need care um and not everybody has the same access
1: ellen it looked like you were about to say
0: something uh-uh, i think dr clay said it she said it but i was i was thinking that you know in pre-pandemic you know communities were already marginalized yeah and there, there were access issues. So literally cutting off the physical access to a lot of places and things like that. I mean, you know, it only creates a, a wider gap or I mean, it's just made the gap wider and that, that's tough.
1: So if you had to give, I guess, two pieces of advice for healthcare providers, um, of these very needed services in a, in a public health crisis, what would those two pieces of advice be?
0: Advice to healthcare providers during the pandemic for like teens and- mm-hmm. the LGBT For
1: teens, sexual health, teens, and for reproductive sexual health. health services.
0: I, I would say, I mean, from my purview as a mental health clinician, I ask questions in particular about um, things that I see or things that come up or things that don't come up that relate to access. And I'm a lot more flexible, especially in the virtual realm. Um, You know, there are kids in my appointments, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like sometimes a client might be cooking. There are some Mm -hmm. things that I'm like, okay, this is a liability for me and the organization that you're driving, okay? So we can't drive. But I, I do take, I do, I have had appointments where, you know, somebody is at dance practice where, you know, it's a baby in the back seat and the kid is at dance practice and, you know, just some things where I've been on calls and, you know, interdisciplinary calls and people are, you know, thinking about things like, um, you know, well, you know, for confidentiality, you know, really can't have other people be present. Mm-hmm. But I have had a whole therapy session where my client was getting her hair done. She was getting her and the baby's hair was getting done. But, you know, to the degree that, you know, me, you know, we have some ground rules, like certain things we won't talk about, you know, but there right. are things we can check in on and I can still, you know, I can still assess her mood. We can still talk about global things because her kids are a stressor, you know, so and, and to that regard, I think just being flexible where I have autonomy as opposed to saying, you know, call me back when you're by yourself, you know, or, right. or something like that and, um, and also on the flip side, you know, being aware of, I, I have a one client who is in a, um, her relationship is volatile. And so I am aware that there is some interpersonal violence. Um, and so when her partner is near, sometimes I will mouth or send a mm-hmm. message or just ask, um, because the partner is a lot of the, the stress. And so to make right. sure she's safe, you know, I'm mindful of things. Whereas if we were in the office together, and it was, you know, her and I alone, I wouldn't have to worry about that. So from from my perspective as a mental health provider, I I would say, you know, just being flexible and recognizing and Mm -hmm. through your actions, acknowledging that we are in a pandemic, you know, beyond wearing masks and washing our hands and stuff. And I also take that back to the doctors and other providers that I'm working with, because sometimes people will share things to me. And so I'm able to use my role to kind of go and say hey you know they have some reservations about this medication or you know they're worried that somebody in the house who pops pills might take this you know just real stuff that wouldn't necessarily be as pronounced maybe uh if we weren't in the context of, of a pandemic so that's from my perspective but from you you know you're in academia dr clay you're you know you're a whole doctor out here so in your uh from your perspectives how do you all sort of use your role to help with access or to sort of meet people where they are during this pandemic?
1: So I will say this, um, one of the things I stress is being available. Um, like you just stated, you never know what the, what's going on on the other end. And because I work in a virtual environment primarily anyway, um, I have to realize that I cannot have traditional nine to five hours, um, that I have to be available um, because life is inevitably going to happen during the day, that I have to be available in the evenings. Um, or even early in the earlier before 9am. But the, the other thing that has just really resonated with me is making the time um, somewhat, I was on another meeting and they said, giving um, both grace and space,
0: mm. because you
1: never know what the other person is going through. So checking in with that person just for safety. So I had a student this last, let's see, today's Wednesday, so Monday, um, I was talking to one of my faculty members and they said, hey, you know, this student hasn't been checking in and the preceptor is concerned. Um, The student isn't responding to email. And I was just like, well, have you called? Something just as very simple as that. Well, they submitted an assignment, but they didn't respond to my email. I said, don't worry about it, let me call and, and kind of see. And so when I called, the student said that he had been very ill, but just taking the time to allow um, that, that conversation to take place Um, I was able to assist him with both of the courses that he was taking as well as his field experience. Um, So it's just, just taking a step back and saying, you know, if this is out of the ordinary Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have to, we have to give grace on the fact that he hasn't been responding to email, but you know, going above and beyond. So making sure that we're checking in for um, health of the individual, health of their family. You know, a lot of people have become caregivers that were no longer that were not caregivers. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of parents have now become teachers that were, you know, not. So, being able to take that step back and giving both grace and space, I think, is very important during this time. And then the the last thing I will say is we need to, particularly as sexual health educators, counselors, therapists we need to stress that we are in a global pandemic, but sexual and reproductive health needs do not stop. So while we want to make sure that people are being safe with COVID-19, we also still need to stress, but you still need to get tested if you have Mm -hmm. um, this type of event, you still need to, to come in for your treatment. We can't ignore that those things are still going on. What about
2: you, Dr. Clay? Sorry, Um, I was actually gonna say something very similar to what you said in terms of grace. Um, I think grace for everybody involved, um, not just meeting people where they are and understanding that many, many, many things have changed in people's lives. They've lost their jobs, their caretakers and their teachers, none of which they wanted to be or um, wanted to go through. and that can bring on anxiety and depression, and um, just a, and worsening of health problems and all of that, just because the sheer stress um, for our Black and Brown folks, right? You add the pandemic on top of all of the um, unfortunate and tragic deaths of a lot of our brothers over the last year. That the stress of just being Black already is kind of at just at a baseline really high, but then you add a bunch of deaths and a pandemic and you can't leave your house. Um, it's been really stressful. Um, and I want to encourage people to have grace for the people who are taking care of you. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think sometimes we forget that's a person that is giving you your medication, talking to you about your sex um, education, talking to you or just, just working in general. Have, are going through the same thing. You Yes, we have the luxury that we didn't lose our job, but we lost family. We yeah. can't leave our house. We had the stress of having to go to work and then come home and hope you don't give COVID to your family. Like everybody needs a little bit of grace because everybody is in a situation they did not ask to be in.
1: Exactly. Um,
2: and so I think not only for those who need sexual health services, um, people in general need a whole bunch of shit. And we, yeah. and just you—you you need to give grace to the person who's bagging your groceries because they didn't ask to come to work. You need mm-hmm. to give grace to the doctor who's taking care of you. You need grace to the person who opened the door for you. Um, you need give grace to your husband, your family, your children, just everybody, everybody, because it's been—it's been a really rough fucking year for everybody. Mm-hmm. So um, and you're right just because it's been a really rough year and, and access is limited there are certain things you can't ignore your sexual health is one of those things your overall health is one of those things there's a lot of things that we've been able to do that what we've learned is there are a lot of things we've been able to do virtually so you can still get some things done um you don't go home and just completely ignore your children you should not go home and completely ignore yourself
1: Mm-hmm.
2: especially if, you know, people going out here and still having sex, you still having sex, you still doing all the things you need to do. Then you need to bring your ass into my office or call me or talk to me or whatever, um, to make sure that you stay healthy and as safe as you can while you're still doing all those things.
0: hmm
1: well, I think that's... Uh, she made closing arguments right I'm there. just Jenny, about to
0: say, Alex. you know what I mean? I think that's it and that's all. grace in
1: space and grace. prioritizing
0: grace and space. Your, your sexual health. Yeah, I was
2: a, That was such a great... I was listening to that and I'm like, that's what I was going to say, but not as eloquently. So I'm going <laughs> to pretend like I was going to say that eloquently and say grace in space. Such, such great,
0: great
1: points grace. though. Yeah. yeah. And all these points... uh and more, we will be elaborating on in future episodes of this, this is six. Don't forget to come to the Teen Summit, y'all. There you go, May twentieth, 20th. May twentieth. May 20th. 20th. Right. right, be there, be square.